I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And we'd much rather be day drinking in an airport right now. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's so expensive and good. (laughs) Oh, man. The airport is like the most lawless place. (laughs) I love it. It's so terrible. Especially now, like, with the COVID mentality, I'm like, I think about all these, like, airport floors I rolled around on, mm-hmm. like, laying and stretching and... <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely slept. There was, uh, actually, on our way back from seeing you this past winter, we had the longest layover in denver for an hour-long flight (laughs) like there was only an hour left and our layover was like seven hours or something ridiculous yeah it was terrible because it was like just long enough that like we could have driven home in Mm. the same amount of time but it's like you don't want to be driving after you've been on like a transatlantic flight and we were just like asleep curled up like in a corner (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness like it just fills me with anxiety i'm just like you could have been mugged or stolen (laughs) could have been could have been (laughs) it is so true well and it's also like time of day or what day the week does not matter once you crest the threshold of an airport it's just survival mode yeah point dot (laughs) <laughs> yeah doesn't matter how many windows it has the feeling of like a casino where you don't know what time it is what day it is what's exactly. happening yeah i have never heard such a perfect comparison <laughs> in my entire life because it has the same like thrill and sadness all at the same mm. time it has that perfect combination of oh people have been here for a long time and also the thrill of like oh it's bright and shiny and big oh gosh that is some that is that is perfect i can't yeah. i have no words for that the thrill and the sadness you're right on and that's what i i love kind of love about airports and maybe i'm like an energy vampire or something <laughs> but <laughs> I just, I just love, I love like other people like feeling so many feelings. It's just like I can just live vicariously through them. I don't have to feel my own feelings. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. (laughs) Stop recording, please. I'm just just trying to think of what the garlic equivalent would be for an emotional vampire. (laughs) I just. I just want to see Danny lingering by like the arrival flights, <laughs> but like with a like, full-on Dracula cloak. Yeah, exactly. Cape. <laughs> just would have been like on a family that hasn't seen each other in fifteen years. Feel blah, feel like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't legitimately cry. Okay. I love it. Then oh. I like just turn into red mist yeah. and float Oof. away. Or the departures just been like, you may never see each other again. You know, you will not last through college. And like, just like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, sorry, guys. It's active imagination. You guys had to been there. If you didn't enjoy that as much as I did, I can't help you. Um, I can't help you. I have to wipe away my tears because we have to. The reason why we talk about airports, which almost seems cruel at this time, is because it's, at least by the time this comes out, it's going to be the last days of summer. And yeah. today, with this heat still lingering in the air, 
but we can't really go anywhere. And it's it's no secret that, at least in the Western world, that the summertime is a time for holidays. It's, it's a time for travel. And both mm-hmm. Danny and I, we have done quite a bit of traveling in our lifetime. And... <laughs> It's fun. We both love it. But even though we have been on holidays, like racism never takes a holiday. <laughs> so it doesn't. It's, it's true. It never, it's true, but it's sad. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it needs a break. So in this episode, we want to talk about traveling and traveling specifically as women of color. So just because we can't go nowhere doesn't mean we're not going to go there. I didn't even yeah. write that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I need to get up the house. <laughs> well, that that's also part of this, right? It's like the yeah. traveling in your mind by mm-hmm. talking about traveling. Exactly. And perhaps it is five months of being stuck in my house that is making mm-hmm. me think about travel. Yeah, but I think that we have we have a lot to talk about as far as travel. But I think before we talk about anything, we have to acknowledge mm. the the privilege. that travel is and it is I think in part you and I we talk about being from Albuquerque but neither of us spent our whole childhood in Albuquerque and neither of us were born in Albuquerque and you were as you've said like you were a military kid and so you traveled and lived a lot of places and I probably did not live as many places as you but you know I, I moved you know, dozen times, lived in three states, lived in four cities as a kid. And I think being exposed to that as a child made, at least for me, made like travel seem like a more accessible thing, even if I didn't have the money to do it. Like, I just like, it seemed possible in a way, perhaps that it it isn't for someone who has lived in the same place their whole life. Ooh, I like that, that that it seemed possible when you travel, especially even if you move around at a younger age, because it starts to become normal of, well, this is how we move to and fro. And when I started meeting people who were like, oh, yeah, I've lived in the same house my whole life, or I've had friends in, in this neighborhood I've had since I was five, like that became quite alien to me personally when we talk about travel and there there's something about doing that specifically when you're young that does it is really really privileged i think about our family we moved because the military told us to but i can't imagine like if we had to come up with like the cashish for that going back and forth across the oceans and such i i can't imagine i can't with a family girl yeah <laughs> like the family we're a family of five and trying to fly us to and fro i just can't I, I can't process that yeah i hadn't been out of the country until i was 21 mm. got on a plane and moved to japan and that was the first time i was out of the country but it was also i got this job in japan and the japanese government paid to fly me to japan mm. So I think that is something as well. The more you travel in general, even as an adult, the easier it gets, Mm. the more accessible it seems. And even though it does cost a lot, I think by doing it, the world seems smaller and things seem more accessible. And like I've been to seven countries and 
I've had friends who were local to those places in six, six of those countries. And mm. those were mostly people who I met either living abroad, living in Japan, or that I met when I was in graduate school, which are like two other like privileged places. But I think by having that that experience of living somewhere else and meeting people who are also from other places made me more inclined to go visit them in those other places, if that mm. makes sense. Oh, totally. I think that, that that made travel easier for me. I like that. And I think you're right. The more you do it, I think, especially if you start having an enjoyable experience, I know people who travel and it's not great. It's really intense. And we'll kind of talk about Mm -hmm. the anxieties that go along with traveling. But the more you do it, the easier it gets, the more you learn the ins and outs of it all. I think the more you're going to start switching your life to where that kind of starts becoming a little bit more priority to do. Yes. You start feeling like what I like to call like the itch of like, I haven't been anywhere new or seen anything new in a while or having that and start adjusting like how you save money or points rewards, however you decide to travel. Or I know some people, I have a friend of mine, she doesn't like gifts. She just literally will straight up ask for money or from her family so it can go towards a trip because that's what she just loves to do. She travels. And I think if it's something you enjoy, like anything, you will make the time and the savings and putting the effort and learning about it. But once again, that's only if you have the means and the yeah. way, you know what I mean? Certain jobs are definitely more lenient with that sort of thing. Like you might have time off, but not the ability to take off like time in a chunk. So that's a thing. If you even have vacation time, which a lot of girl, that's a whole <laughs> other thing mm -hmm. and also think about people who are who are, have uh, who are disabled as well thinking about mm -hmm. the care and thing that they need i mean even people who have like but need insulin and be like you know just just all of those blood pressure medicines and and all of that that all gets a little bit more complicated when you try to move yourself from one part of the world to another so yes it is first and foremost a privilege and something i don't think we or anyone should really take for granted Yes. It's also weird, like as Americans to talk about travel, we've started by talking about international travel. But I think for a lot of Americans, it's domestic travel because our mm -hmm. country is just so big, like Girl. <laughs> just to get out of the country. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. It's crazy. Even I was telling people like the flight from when I went to go first meet my, my future in-laws from Albuquerque to Washington State. The fact that that was exhausting. Like, I, did I get there within the day? I sure did. But but if I took that same, you know, five hour flight, I mean, I'd, I'd be here in England. I would be somewhere in Paris. Like, I don't even know. Paris was super short. I, don't, I have no clue. <laughs> I, would, I, I would be much further. <laughs> I should have like, yes. I should see how long it would have taken me to take that flight in distance. That's a very, I feel like it's a very Danny thing to do. I think yeah, I, I mean, I'm do already that. doing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's crazy. So when I tell people, especially here in the UK about, oh, vacationing and driving, when I tell them that when I drive the distance between, you know, here in Scotland, a whole other place, I'm like, yeah, you still couldn't get through Texas if you drove yeah. that, that, that length, you know, the seven hours it took for us to get to here in yeah. Scotland. We'd still be in Texas. <laughs> Right? So you said five hours? Yes. So we're looking at like Israel, Dang Egypt. I was going to say that. I should have trusted Nigeria. my gut. Nigeria. <laughs> yeah. 
I was going to say Israel. I should have trusted my gut. I um uh, I didn't want to come off geographically wrong. <laughs> but that that's intense. That's in that's absolutely intense, isn't it? But in America, you know, you're still on one half of the country and it's just we're just we're spread out, y'all. So, you're right. We do have to consider that a lot of flights are domestic and once again even in our own privilege, traveling overseas is a privilege. And I mean, some people save up their entire life to go over once for a holiday, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying, if you have the ability and you start traveling, it is not unusual to start to adjust your life in order to be able to travel. And I think like, because I had that opportunity of living abroad in my early 20s, like that's kind of set the tone for for like my whole life is travel is very important to me. And I'm lucky enough to work in a career where I have the ability to do that. Mm. So with with this travel, which I think one day we should just ask you about your travels in general. But I want to ask uh, specifically, what like is it like? You like? haven't gone to, like as many cool, interesting places, Damika. I know, but I just like want to hear about your. Li- I've lived mine. I know me. I'm with, <laughs> I'm with me all day long. <laughs> but I, I wanted to know your experience personally of traveling, being a brown woman, because mm. it's both. It is. It is both. I think, you know, and it's something we've talked a lot about on the show. Like, I am very ethnically ambiguous. I am very ethnically ambiguous. So for me, that's both an advantage and a disadvantage while traveling. And it depends where I'm going, I suppose. And I've, I've traveled a lot to Asia. And because I look vaguely Asian, I can pull off being local in a sense, which is once again, an advantage and disadvantage, particularly like I went to China. I don't speak Chinese. And so that was very difficult and difficult to explain. No, I'm not Chinese over and over Mm. again. So that's been one experience. But I've oftentimes traveled with my husband. And I guess that's Mm. a whole other discussion uh, because he is, you know, tall, blonde, white guy. So then all of a sudden, it's very apparent that I'm not local (laughs) if I'm with him. But I think that aside, like in Spain, I remember having a conversation with someone and talking about how my Spanish is not very good. And this is a conversation in Spanish, right? So I was like talking about how my Spanish isn't very good, but like I can understand Spanish really well. So like my apologies for not being able to respond (laughs) very well. And they're like, well, why do you understand Spanish? And I'm like, well, you know, all my family speaks Spanish. And they were like, but you're Chinese? And I was like, I'm not Chinese. Um (laughs) So that's like another weird thing. But I think ultimately, like, the hardest part about being brown traveling is airports in the US. Mm. (laughs) Uh, We're typically kind of randomly selected. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what's what's your experience been like? Uh, so mostly traveling, like I said, with, with my family and both young and as a grown woman of being of a mixed family where I have a very dark skinned father and a very white mom in, in the 80s and the 90s. Just the stairs alone in a place to where an airport with children 
is uh, is a very dangerous and stressful place. So mm. I do remember just always having to scramble, especially overseas, of just trying to make sure you have the proper documentation, having everybody mm-hmm. all together. There's just this heightened sense of worrying about your safety. And then you have people who are commenting about, oh, your kids are so well behaved or considering and things that you would not give a compliment to a white woman if she had white children. And so it's just things like that, like starting those microaggressions really young. And we got a lot of that. But I noticed a lot when we traveled domestically. And we drove a lot within the country when we would move or try to see family before we would have to be somewhere for long distances. And even travel, which we'll talk about a little bit later, driving across America as a mixed family is also an experience that is challenging. It's at times really scary and even from a young age it really kind of made me feel like what I am a Mm. part of of my family is different and what I am is different and sometimes my my presence just makes people uncomfortable just by us showing up in different places or different rest stops makes people very uncomfortable and now traveling internationally and once again with my family I had the joy of traveling with just my daughter and I which was you know it's always stressful I think my daughter was still potty training which I don't recommend that in case everyone mm. if you can at all help it like I don't know that what's sounds wrong with me. incredibly stressful <laughs> it was very, I'm not gonna lie it's like I wanted to put some extra stress on myself but my daughter is very fair skinned. And when we were traveling back and forth and trying to get into the country, I had to make sure I had pictures of progression with my daughter to show that she was indeed my daughter. Now they tried to say that you should do this across the board with children. And I understand there is people selling children. There's a sex trafficking laws. I, I get that. Isn't there a whole thing too, if like you're traveling without both parents, like you need some sort of documentation from the other parent? I had to have basically, my, it's called my set of orders to prove that I was married to the person that was her father. Mm. And so I had that and being able to have that. And of course, on top of my documentation showing of like, even though I have a traveler's passport, so it shouldn't really matter what I'm doing back and forth in the country. I still have to have proof of orders that I'm actually residing in England because the government told me to. But the thing is, if you're standing in long lines to check in and out of customs, you you people watch and just noticing who gets checked is very eye opening. And if you don't believe me, watch next time and watching people after people of other people traveling with kids alone and things of that nature who don't get checked. And I have to show them every 12 different pieces of documentation for me to get in and out of the country with me and my daughter to prove she's my daughter to prove I'm married to who I say I'm married to. It just adds on that little extra layer of stress in in my life. I'm I expect it. I'm not afraid of random selection because I don't believe in the randomness of it whatsoever. And when you know what's coming, it does help. But it's just an extra layer that makes you very tired (laughs) at the end of your travels. Yeah. (laughs) I have a whole problem with authority. (laughs) So that's like another layer of stress. And then my husband is pretty careless with... Sorry, Ian. (laughs) But he's... You're killing me today. I know. He's pretty careless with what he puts in his carry-ons and almost always has like a liquid or or, like something he shouldn't. (laughs) Something pretty like not dangerous, like a bottle of something. Mm -hmm. And so then he has to have his bag searched and then I'm just like a nervous wreck because like... Oh my goodness. 
And then I think that makes you look more suspicious, right? But like, I'm like, I have a problem with authority and I am very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> hmm. Girl, so when we came back from Amsterdam, that's how I felt. Like, I know I wasn't smog- like smuggling weed. I knew that. But the fact <laughs> I was nervous about what our family dynamic, like, they're not going to believe this tall drink of blonde water is married to me. Like, they're just going to feel like it's a setup. And just like that look and that discomfort the whole time. I'm like, don't look anybody in the eye. Just just keep it down. We just got it. We got to get back into <laughs> into the country and it's just everything is already oppressive when you're like waiting to get your passport checked in which if you've never been on the other side trying to get back into your home country you should experience that I don't know I feel like there's a layer of compassion for other people who travel back and forth you need to feel like a foreigner in your life Hmm. I think everyone needs to feel like a foreigner at least once in their life but I don't want to digress but yes I completely feel you on that (laughs) But it's, it's uh, I don't know, the, tr- the travel industry in itself sometimes can feel like a racket. I was trying to, for like I said, someone who's traveled throughout their life ebbs and flows, I have always feel like, why the price? I'm so cheap. Mm. We, and off, off air, we were both talking about how we both have a fear of large purchases. Can, how do you purchase airline tickets, Danny, without... Like, do you do you just have it in your basket, your proverbial basket for like forever and just like sit there and talk about how many hours you had to work in order to like pay for that ticket? Or like, it's it's such an investment that or it's just such a drop of money to me when I see that. And I'm wondering, so I went back and I did a little bit of number crunching and talking about, surely it's just double the increase. I went to the International Air Transit Association and looked at what their statistics were. And basically across the board, they're saying that flights for the most part have not increased that much when you talk about inflation, but it's the extra charges that have changed. Back when I was a kid and like we would occasionally fly out to New Mexico to visit my extended family, it was just such a more pleasant experience, Mm. I feel like. And yes, part of it was like that I was a kid and I didn't have to do anything. But I think part of it, too, is like you got your drinks and you got your snacks and you got like, you know, you everyone could check two bags like it was all included. And now it's like every single little thing <laughs> costs extra. Oh my goodness. We even just like I was looking up some of the the average flights from like Atlanta, from LaGuardia, things of that nature costing, you know, they're talking about, oh, in the golden age of, of flying, costing anywhere, sometimes $41, $78, you know, like round trip ticket, yeah. domestic, and things of, and I'm blown. But then when you talk about the world's inflation and average cost, still talking about being in like the high 300s to higher $400 range within that. Uh, I think that the latest one they have was one was in 2015, another was in 2017. But just talking about that, I'm like, okay, Flight price is not necessarily changing, but it it is those little nickel and diamond extras, especially I think if you go with like one of their lower cost um, airlines whatsoever, that they will definitely catch you on that. Their girl, there was a Ryanair, which is like, I guess the EasyJet equivalent there. They do not print boarding passes anymore. So if you don't have a smartphone that will have the code for it, which you need to make sure that you have that ready because there's not internet everywhere, they will charge you to print up a boarding pass. Yeah, I think a lot of the the airlines kind of do something like that or similar. Ooh. There's like this move towards it, which is 
Which is fine when you have a phone with internet access, but like that's another layer of a thing you need to travel. And I don't know if I'm going on a an international trip, I don't like pay for my phone to work internationally. So I definitely yeah. need Wi-Fi to be able to access anything. And you know, mm-hmm. airports do not always have good Wi-Fi or free Ooh. Wi-Fi. Sometimes you have to pay for it. Girl. And also, I don't want to be on your Wi-Fi sometimes. I'm paranoid. <laughs> mm. They want, like, your email address, your blood type. They want you to sign up for a newsletter just to use their Wi-Fi. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This is not 2005. I will not pay you for your Wi-Fi use. It's it's ridiculous. But it, but that's what you need. And I think it's like that. It's that nickel and diming. And, of course, we, we all know the actual being in the plane itself of how they've just shrank the amount of room that you actually have. Like, I feel so bad for taller people. And and I feel bad for myself for the thickness of my thighs and the smallness of that seat. Yeah, I'm a fairly small person. And I'm also fairly like bendy, compact person, like just curl up (laughs) into a ball. (laughs) <laughs> on a seat and be fine. But my husband is 6'2", so he has a much harder time on oh, these flights, you know? Poor guy. Poor, poor guy. But that's how, I mean, that's how I feel. My husband's not nearly as tall, but even him, his legs are very, very long. And it's just impossible. So you pay all this ridiculous amount of money. It takes a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress to get there. Where are you going to put your car? Pick you up, drop you off, making sure you're there ahead of time. And of course, we are living in the post 9-11 world and we're not mm-hmm. t- to even open that up girl <laughs> we are old enough to remember when you could just go to the airport and walk up to the gate like to meet somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah and, and now you think about that and that's insanity like yeah like you had to like- go through a metal detector but like it was just a metal detector and it was literally like, just take your keys out of your pocket, put it in this just basket. Just take your keys out your pocket. That is, <laughs> that is all. They didn't have to like x-ray your essence in order to I make know. sure like, to like make sure you weren't keeping Girl, secrets. <laughs> I'm sure this happens to you, but every time, every single time I go through those machines, they pat down my hair afterwards every single time. <laughs> Every single time. Who is smuggling things? I just, is it messed up that I low-key just want to meet who is smuggling stuff in their hair? I just want to meet you because it's like, I'm kind of mad at you for making my life hard, but I'm also super (laughs) duper impressed. Like I had my hair wrapped up, girl. It's travel. I don't want to hear, it was super cute, wrapped up, adorable, got myself a little top knot on top and they asked me to take it down. I'm like, do you know what work it was to put it up? But once again, that's just like kind of singling out people who look a little bit different, who who have different hairstyles. I mean, and Danny has luxurious long hair, and I kind of low key think they just wanted to cop a feel. But <laughs> girl, <laughs> we've your, already talked hair. about we've talked about touching hair and that not being okay. <laughs> yes, but yes, this is their way of being able to do it. But once again, it's like I said, it's that added stress and for me I always get like the I go through and I I get an additional pat down a lot I'm like no it's not the junk in the trunk is real it all belongs to me there is no smuggling of sorts and so there's just like if you're a person who's not a fan of being touched you have to kind of put that to the side don't you right you just have to go to your happy place (laughs) as you go through (laughs) TSA 
Mm. So do you feel people of color travel? I know this is like such a vague question mm. in your life. When you're in an airport, because you've been in many, when you're looking out into the sea of people in America specifically, what are you seeing? What is what is your opinion, I guess? Well, here here's the thing is I feel like, once again, America is like too big. It's too broad. So it depends where the airport is. Mm-hmm. I, several years back, went to Omaha, Nebraska for a conference, and I had never seen so many white people in my life as in the Uh, airport in Omaha, Nebraska. So I think, like, it really depends where you are. The first time I really found this happening was coming home to visit from Japan was, like, I just naturally gravitated towards, like, the non-white people. (laughs) to be near them in the airport because I I don't know it was like so overwhelming so many white people after not seeing them for so long in such numbers but I think that there's actually a lot of people of color that travel but the stereotype of a traveler Mm. is a white person Mm -hmm. I don't know do you do you agree I actually, I really do. I think a lot of people of color are traveling and it's increasing, but I believe we are still not marketing and we're also still not representing to people of color. Like I said, because of my life being in and out and being surrounded by military people, not only do they choose to live their life to where the government's going to tell you to, I've met so many beautiful people of color who enjoy, it is their passion and they take their family as well. Like being Mm. able to see, you know, just not like a, a single woman trying to get a groove back or a couple on their honeymoon but a family as a as a unit going and enjoying and educating and experiencing something outside of themselves it's something really beautiful to see but i was even reading an article about black travel industry tycoon professionals talking about how you know you see brochures And you see commercials for Disney and for Hyatt and these places, and they're still really lacking with diversity of who they're marketing Mm. to and who they're advertising with. And they're saying they're really missing out on this market because let me tell you, brown and black people, we're we're jet setting and y'all need to catch up. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it in particular because the millennial generation is very tends to be more focused on travel mm. than older generations and we are a more diverse in terms of our our demographics like we just have more people of color we have more mixed race people and it's something like 6 in 10 millennials would rather spend their money on experiences than things and what is travel but an experience, you know? Mm. I think you're absolutely right. I feel like that's also part of it. It's like you, we're seeing the travel industry advertising in a way that they were advertising to previous generations rather than advertising to the reality of who's traveling now. Mm, I like that. It's actually, I'll have to link this article in with our show notes because they actually had a gentleman, which is really cool, black gentleman who's a flight attendant. And that's a whole other marketing I never really thought of. The first time I went to the massive airport in Atlanta, Georgia, I, it took me a minute as someone who (laughs) I, you know, like I said, I've traveled quite a lot. I'm just seeing so many black people working Mm. in an airport it just was to me it was it was such a big deal we had uh flight attendants who were 
for different shades of brown, who and the baggage, baggage claim and customer service and the front of driving shuttles. It, they were just everywhere. And to me, it was so overwhelming. I was, it was so beautiful to see, but at the same time, I had n- not experienced that yet in my life. And once I kind of got over that initial shock, it was so freaking cool to see. But there is that market. And this gentleman in the interview, he talks about how it's so cool when you have like a an, an all black crew. He calls them ABCs, which I think is adorable and cool. And just uh-huh. kind of knowing about what they have to kind of go through in the care to their people, because it is, uh, they are in hospitality, aren't they? They just happen to be thousands of feet up in the air. And as people of color having to deal with <laughs> dealing with people of all sorts and their attitude. But once again, there's no, will you please leave the plane? It's being able to handle that and still give a certain level of service. Because once again, when you are in a flying tube up in the air that you can't go anywhere, you have to be able to de-escalate issues and just talking about their experiences. And once again, I think marketing jobs in the travel industry, whether you're a vlogger, uh, I don't know, are there, do people still use travel agents? of sorts. Yeah, actually my my stepmother works for, you know, one of the big travel companies and as a, a travel agent, but she she specifically works with business clients. So I think mm. a lot a lot of people who travel as part of their jobs definitely use travel agents. And she actually she was a flight attendant for a long time. Work. You know, and as a, a Latina, like I'm sure she has some some stories about mm-hmm. about that. But that is so cool. But I think once again, it's not something my great aunt there when she became a flight attendant, it was a really big deal because she's like I said, she's my my father's auntie. So she's a bit more mature. But I just remember her thinking like, that's amazing. She gets to travel and the, the clothes and there, there was just yeah, like the clothes, the outfits yeah. were so like bomb. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You were a business professional. There was just something about it that just had like weightiness to it. And there's like that that come up kind of feeling that went with it as well. But once again, I think that's something of like even outside of southern areas, it would be really nice to kind of see that across the board and having a little bit more, like we say, is cultural competency and having that little bit of uh, compassion. Because I can imagine if you've already were randomly selected, you had your hair pat down, you had to prove that your daughter was your daughter, you probably lost a piece of luggage, you ran late, didn't get coffee, you had a really gross beer or drink at the bar that was too much for you. By the time you get on the plane, you're already tense. I'm just kind of maybe having someone who might understand a little bit of what you're going through might ease that time on a plane and that emotional turbulence you might be going through. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent point and something I hadn't really thought of. And I I do know a few flight attendants now that are, you know, close in age to us. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's all people of color that I know that are flight attendants. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm for it. I think it's once again, I think it's a job that's not just hospitality, but you're also, you know, you're a counselor, you're a negotiator, you're a peacekeeper, you, you have a lot of responsibility of maintaining the well being of people within that environment. And I think it should be something that it's like, yeah, you, you can do that because travel is for people of color. Yeah. I always have these feelings about any service industry workers and I think it's just amplified now in times of COVID. Mm -hmm. And it might be in part because 
both of my parents work uh, service industry jobs. So it's something I've been like very aware of and thought about for a long time. But like, I have so little patience for people who are disrespectful <laughs> to people who are just doing their jobs. Like Ooh. I cannot, I cannot handle it. And I always like go out of my way to be very polite and very nice <laughs> to those people. And even in a situation where I'm like tired or frustrated, like I am never rude or I, I try my best to never be rude, I guess. I It's not up to me to say if I'm rude or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like I have such little patience and like to think about like any sort of service industry job where you're having to deal with like irate people, but then put it in a tube in the sky like woo mm. these people mm. i'm like the back of my neck already got like a little haunch especially <laughs> I, I did i did because that same thing my mom food industry to this day to this day she is still and kind of the same thing of like having that respect and just realizing the amount of effort and work and how they're not getting paid enough to deal with your garbage and whatever you're going through. Let's just both be human to one another to get through this. But what we're asking people across the board in so many jobs to do in this COVID world is above and beyond everyone's pay grade. But I can I can only imagine during the travel as well and what and what that looks like and the extra steps. I'm about to do a huge amount of traveling and I know things keep changing. So that's why I didn't feel like I could speak on it now. But I, I guarantee in a few weeks of getting a little bit closer and seeing what that's going to look like. I uh, my, my hearts are just out to those within that specific industry of just trying to make it as safe as possible and people just fighting everything tooth and nail. I mean, I remember we talked about having to take our shoes off at the airport. People, girl, people were mad. People were so mad about taking their shoes off. And so I can't even imagine what it's like right now. I guess the flip side of that that we should talk a little bit about is because of COVID-19. People, Mm -hmm. the way people are traveling is different. And just this like discussion around travel is different. I don't know. Do you have you have thoughts or, or feelings about all of that? I do. And I was actually really inspired by here the European overseas vacation that you take mm-hmm. is really big here. It is really big to travel abroad during the summer. Their summer here is technically only six weeks, especially with the kids getting out. And the, it's very like you go to Paris, you go to Spain, and you know, it's it's one of those kind of staples. You just, you just do. And that's what everyone talks about. Oh, what about your holiday? But of course, in this COVID world, that is obviously had a shift. So a lot of people are kind of rediscovering their own home country, which on one hand, I think is brilliant. I think you should always appreciate your own backyard. And England is really beautiful. And I'm thinking America being very similar of it still technically being in summer vacation in some areas. But with that, there are different anxieties as well. I I think when you talk about driving, camping, Airbnbs, things of that nature, one, they do tend to fill up very fast camping spaces, things of that. So there's a lot of tension there. And I think being on the road, I have mentioned beforehand, if you're used to your neck of the woods and the safety and knowing the people and the climate and the temperature per se, and if you kind of drive out and you're not really used to that and kind of explore America a little bit, there is that danger of not being on your home turf. Mm. And for and for my family driving up and down to from Albuquerque to South Carolina, you definitely within that line have several different temperatures on how they feel about 
race and how they feel about you. And we even talked about even traveling as a woman, as I've traveled even like by myself and feeling where in certain places and certain states I feel safer. I mean, for example, you know, people ask when I move back to the states, you know, well, how is it there? You know, how how is racism? You know, is it bad? I'm like, I can't say if it's just if I move to a certain state, it's going to be better or worse. Each state is going to have places where it's going to be safer for me to be than others. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think traveling while being a brown mixed woman. You have to think about, is it going to be worth it? Do we have to make sure that we we stock up and eat here because we don't want to stop, you know, in the next couple hundred miles because it just might not be safe for us. And I think that's something we have to think about. But that's also not new. Like, Uh I think a lot of the discourse around it is like, it's this new thing, but that's not new. That's that's Mm. the reality for a long, long time, as long as, you know, this country has been a country. Exactly. It's funny. They had that, that movie that came out, The Green Book. Did you see that movie? Uh, no, yes. I was living for it. I thought I was going to be like, yes, yes, I have. Um, I remember having strong feelings about it when it came out. And then I Mm. may have, I may have watched it on a plane. (laughs) Actually. Girl, it's a plane movie. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think I did. I don't think I did. It was like around the time there were like a few like sort of problematic movies that came out around the same time. And I have them all mixed up in my brain. Um, Mm. Have you seen it? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very very confident no not because it's once again you know how i am about certain i am very particular about certain movies and reading it and who and what it was about i had like problems but i would totally watch it on a plane the movie aside the green book is actually a very real thing it was the the negro mm. motorist green book and it's funny when you talk about driving and the freedom that comes along with it. During the, the 30s, of course, we, we know about the bus strike and get to the back of the bus. Well, it was very much encouraged for people of color to gain the ultimate amount of freedom. And that's in owning your own car. And slowly, mm-hmm. very slowly, the, the middle class of, of African Americans in America kind of started growing and getting their own car. And that opened up to this whole world of not having to rely on public transportation. And they can go and have a vacation or, or get out of their town with their family. It, it was freedom on four wheels. It was so amazing. But then there came this roadblock of, oh, hey, we need gas. Oh, hey, we need to eat. Oh, we need a place to sleep on the road. Once again, things that a lot of people don't think about. Just, hey, just pull over to your local gas station. Well, of course, during this time, there were still only whites could be served here. And can you imagine being on the road with with your family and running out of gas and knowing the only gas station closest to you will not help you because of the color of your skin? So Victor Hugo Green, who actually worked for the post office at this time, wrote this book first for I think only his state. I can't, was it New York first? I can't remember who he wrote it first. First for just one state of being like, hey, this restaurant, this hotel, you can go here and people of color will be served and will be helped. And before you know, it actually branched out to all 50 states and it just became like this staple like something you had to take with you as a person of color and canada 
in Mexico. Really? I think it was like pretty much oh. everywhere you could drive <laughs> from the U.S. Yeah. Brilliant. I love that. I didn't even I didn't know Canada and Mexico as well. But I, that that's what's so amazing. And see, like, I, honestly, we could probably do a whole episode about this alone. But once again, something that a lot of people wouldn't have to think about is Am I going to be able to be served? Are we going to be comfortable? So people of color would have to bring extra food. They would have to bring extra gas. They would have to have provisions and blankets in case they had to sleep on the side of the road. And I think that kind of just like passed on. We talked about that that generational gap from people all the way down. And I think even my family driving across America, experiencing a little bit of that, of we have to stick together. We have to be careful. We have to plan ahead. We have to plan our trips around these places. And I, I think sometimes I can get a little jarred, maybe even, you know, a little, a little triggered by that experience of what is that going to look like for me and my family if we have to kind of continue to be cautious about travel, maybe go towards driving. I don't know. It's just one of those little extra layers of like, Ugh, I want, I want to go. I want to travel. But there's this fear. Yeah, being from New Mexico is a different sort of advantage. And yes, we have sketchy mm-hmm. rural areas. But um, <laughs> even yes, even within the Green Book itself, like New Mexico was often recommended as a place to mm. go because most motels were based on a uh, cash, not on <laughs> color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Oh, we like So that people green. were like, exactly. We're poor state, poor minority majority state. And so <laughs> it's a different sort of game here. But yeah, I, I definitely experienced weird things driving through the South mm. as a child with my mother and my sister. And, you know, we're not even black we're just clearly not white so yeah i think you're right like it still exists it's still a thing and it's still something to think about and i think we're talking about traveling as a family but i think there's a whole other can of worms when you're talking about traveling as just a woman by yourself Mm. and that's a whole other a whole other discussion and and (laughs) considerations. But I think in in many ways, very similar to to what we're talking about right now based off of race. So I think if you're thinking about traveling as a woman of color, like those are two things that you have to think about that solo traveler who is white and male doesn't have to think about. Exactly. But all that to say, we don't want to discourage, especially like women of color who want to travel on their own, not to. Because I think it's so important for women, mm. for BioPoc people to travel. I mean, everyone, dot, across the board, everyone should. But I think there's a layer of experience that you can only get when traveling. Like, like you said, Danny talked about her experiences meeting all these people from around the world and meeting people in these different places, inspiring her to go to other places. And when you do that, the world does become a bit smaller. And I think because your, your empathy increases and feeling outside of yourself. And like I said before, that feeling of being a foreigner, I think lacks on some people who've never gone outside of their their comfort zone their their area when you have felt a little uncomfortable with the language when you have felt very unsure of where to go to get your basics you know your eat your fuel your your whatever you need there's a certain kind of compassion you have for other people who don't look like you who might come to your home country who are just trying to figure it Mm -hmm. out because you have known what it's like to feel foreign you need to feel foreign to really gain understanding. 
And sometimes people have never had that, and it shows. Yeah, and sometimes people are still not having that when they're in a foreign country, and it shows. <laughs> like ah, those. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to point out the Americans, um, <laughs> always, giving the rest of us a bad name <laughs> there in foreign countries. Uh, yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't want it to be true. But girl, Spain, I found them. France, I found them. Scotland, they are not hard. They don't hide. Y'all are not bashful. We're not bashful here. I'll put all, I I won't exclude myself. We uh, make ourselves known wherever we are. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) But I don't know. Unicorns, when you're traveling, like, be safe, be cautious, have a plan, because that's what, what the world has has offered us but don't let it keep you and don't let it hold you back it's i don't know i i'm i'm so thankful and i'm really really i'm overwhelmed i think about how much i've been able to see and the people i've been able to meet and my daughter who's been able to see this is such a young age i just think it just enriches your life in a way that's really hard to explain Mm -hmm. yeah i agree our feelings are not unique in that regard and that's like Another thing that came up regarding travel and millennials is like millennials tend to be most interested in traveling to a place to learn about its history and its historical significance and like cultural things rather than just like vacationing for vacation's sake. And I, and I see that a lot within myself. Mm. I think that's a big appeal of travel to me is like really learning about the world and experiencing things that are different and eating all the food is always like a big goal of my travel. My husband and I, the way that we travel is we kind of plan it around the food (laughs) because that's the kind of people we are. (laughs) We're really into food. And um, you're my people. (laughs) yes yes we'll pick out a few things that we really want to do or really want to learn about when we're in a place and then we like to leave it a little open because i think like just wandering around a place you learn so much and the opportunities of just meeting people and, and chatting and learning about them is like part of the beauty of travel. And I say that as like a full on introvert, but I I really see the value in meeting other people. Like I'm not interested in going somewhere else and taking it in and leaving. Like I want to hear from real people and, and talk to real people while I'm there. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think even being like in, in um being introverted, I, I there's something about it brings you outside of yourself. I think that's what travel does. I think when you're outside of yourself, outside of your comfort zone, you get to experience something that is really new. And I as much as I even love learning about other people, you also, I mean, if you're not going to do it for that, do something for you. I think you learn so much about yourself when you're completely out of what you know and what's familiar Mm -hmm. like it gives a really great time to learn something really deep that you might not even know that was there or even people i think especially for people of color if you're able to go to a place to where you don't know if you have heritage there but something you feel really called to or or drawn to there's something i had a, a friend of mine whose ancestors were egyptian but she never went to and she went to egypt and she had such a beautiful real deep experience there that even though she didn't she never felt like she had a real tie there 
going there, she felt like a rooting, like something that was really grounding and real for her. And I think there's something really unique about that. So just do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We highly recommend travel and it's it's a difficult thing right now. But on the other side of of this waking nightmare that we're living through i hope everyone has the opportunity to travel Mm -hmm. exactly if if anything at least go to an airport so danny can suck your essence (laughs) yes all your feelings (laughs) happy place shall we move into our happy place yes Today we're doing something a little different with our happy place. We're talking about our I our know. dream dream vacations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that's we've said before, something to look forward to is a very good happy place. So so let's hear a little bit about your dream vacation, Domika. Before COVID, we were actually we were supposed to go to Italy, which was actually my dream. Like I wanted to go oh. to a little tiny village that no one knew about and just eat whatever I get at the market. I wanted to go and taste olives straight from the vine. I just thought that really, I didn't want to actually, I didn't want to go to any of the big sightseeing. I wanted to literally go to like a small little rural village and just live the life and take some cooking classes or do you know what I mean? And just do that because mm-hmm. I, I love cooking and I think there's such a beautiful, rich history. A couple of the authors I really enjoy wrote about beautiful books and cooking there. But with that, I'm still salty. It still hurts. I'm mad at you, Rona. Yeah, Since girl, then, if that's okay. Talk about, yeah. That's okay. You're totally <laughs> entitled to that it's grief. Okay. Yes, yes. She, my dream was so close and so far. But uh, what is a what's a dream deferred, right? But what I will say is that my I told my husband I need to have another kind of like fantasy dream one that is so big that I can kind of be like, okay, well, in retrospect, I really want to go to Switzerland, like because I I just it's there's it's so untouched, it's so clean and mountainous, and it just seems unreal whenever I see pictures of it and I you know I've known a couple of people who've been back and forth to Switzerland I'm like it doesn't seem real it just I love going to places that look so untouched and changed by humanity um where you can just go and kind of feel small in it all I don't know I'm a big big fan of that and it's something so different than any of the places I have been to so yeah I know it sounds weird and of course like the food I'm not huge on sweets, but I will be. <laughs> so yes, yes. If not Italy, Switzerland. What about what about you? So I have a very big dream vacation that uh, my husband and I have been talking about for years. And <laughs> when co when COVID started, and I was like, I was so sad because we've gone on these these vacations the last couple of years over like Christmas time, Christmas, New Year's time, because as a farmer, that's really the only time he can travel. Mm. And as a, a teacher, that's the 
like that's that's the overlap that we have is around the the holidays and i was just so sad and was like it's gonna be so long before we can go anywhere when's the next time i could go to japan i just had a very like entitled meltdown about it um (laughs) but my husband pointed out like i've had this dream vacation for a long time and he started he's like maybe we should really start like thinking about this and planning this for like a few years out which i thought was cool so my my dream vacation is so we love trains traveling by train is my is my preferred method of travel because so good yeah, cars and buses make me very, I get very car sick. And so airplanes are generally okay. But like, when we hit turbulence, I get like, I've thrown up on several planes. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I have a very sensitive stomach for those sorts of things. And I've never had an experience like that on a train. So train travel, my favorite way. So my dream, dream trip is to ride the Trans-Siberian Railway. <gasps> and that's, that's like my dream um and perhaps actually not even the trans-siberian but instead like the trans-mongolian or the trans-manchurian railway like starting in moscow and going all the way to beijing perhaps like going beijing to to japan and then coming home so that's like my dream that's my dream vacation you know like over 9,000 kilometers on a train with stops along the way. I do not know any Russian or much about Russia, but I think it would be really cool and really exciting to do. That sounds so stinking cool. I, you had me at train. So that's all (laughs) you really, really need from me. You had me at train. That is so stinking cool. And there's something like, uh, because in a car, someone has to drive, right? And they have to pay attention. Yeah. And like you said, with the plane, there's turbulence. But on a train, like, you still get to have, like, interesting conversation and, like, that intimacy of being together while looking at, like, big-ass windows and, and just yeah. seeing the world and the, the layout of the, the the your surroundings change. Oh, that's so cool. Dang, that's super cool. Yeah. I, I really hope that happens for you. Thank you. It's like, it's a full week if you go just straight, right? So it's like, it's quite long, but the idea is you take some like stops along the way. Obviously never done a train trip that long, but like I've done overnight trains in China. I've done, I wish I remember how long it was, but it was like incredibly long in Japan. My husband and I took the slow trains from where I was living, which was at the countryside, all the way to Hiroshima. And it took like, I want to say like eight or nine hours, maybe longer. So I've done some lengthy, lengthy train travel. And like you said, it's just so, so Mm -hmm. nice, like so relaxed, good opportunities to talk with people. And I just like, I am so content to just like drink tea and stare out a window of a train. Mm -hmm listening to music like that is just like the pinnacle of relaxation for me so 
Someday, uh, I hope. Oh, that sounds so nice. Well, in our mind, like when, when COVID hit, we knew we were going to be able to travel for a while. My daughter and I would talk about the places we had been. I'm like, well, where are we going to go today? Like if we started getting a little, because I had to shelter in place for a while. So that would be like, where are we going to go today? She's like, oh, remember our trip to Barcelona? I was like, I do. And we would just like, let's go there in our minds. And having to do that a little bit just to kind of get over the just being in the house. But we'll we'll get there eventually. I am trying to be very hopeful but till then we have our minds and our wishes <laughs> yes yes oh unicorns i hope that you share your dream vacations <laughs> with us too so that we can live vicariously yes. through you as well Ooh, i'll even take pictures of past vacations is that weird <laughs> yes 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 i'm into it yeah if you want to share with us any of your travel stories we'd love to hear them if you post about them on instagram be sure to tag us so that we can see i would love love to have some vicarious living about travel through all of you Mm. yes please Yes, but I suppose we should we should wrap this up. If you need to send it to us directly, uh, you can email us biracialunicorns at gmail.com. If you're on Instagram or Facebook, we're both those places at biracialunicorns. So be sure to connect with us there. We're also on Twitter at biracialmagic. Awesome. Please, if you love our logo, the art is super cute. We want to thank the amazing Deli Pop Art for doing that. So please follow her. Also, who made our intro and outro music is the very talented Joseph Scott. Please follow them both. And, you know, since you're not traveling, you could write us a review. You could sit there and while you're even listening now, you could write us a lovely review. It would be really helpful for us. And we'd super appreciate it. Yes. All right. Well, we should uh, we should get going, huh? Yeah. I mean, we have so many places to be. We better go. All right, y'all. Peace. Out. Out.